Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode 26 of the No Huddle Show, our Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Gillio. With me, as always, Elliot Shore Parks and Mark Eckel. And we have a lot to talk about here, unpacking the biggest decision the Eagles have made in a long time and the fallout from it. Doug Peterson is the Eagles head coach, and everyone got a chance to get a feel for him. Yesterday, the Eagles introduced him, and also a whole lot of other news, including Howie Roseman, Jeff Lurie, Sam Bradford. We have a lot to get to here. Uh, Elliot, we'll start with you. Let's start with Peterson, and then we'll, we'll kind of dive into everything else from mm-hmm. uh, the press conference. We're doing this on a Tuesday or say Wednesday, Wednesday morning. Uh, the press conference is on Tuesday. We're doing this on a Wednesday morning. What were your initial takeaways? Doug Peterson is the Eagles head coach, and you had a chance yesterday for the first time to talk to him and ask him some questions. Yeah, I thought during the press conference, he came across to me nervous. Um, and I think that, you know, that's understandable. This is obviously the biggest probably moment of his life. If you consider the fact that he was a backup quarterback, um, you know, he's never had like a high profile job in the NFL until now. And now he's the head coach for one of the more visible franchises in the league. So I thought he seemed nervous at first. Um, as it went on, he seemed to calm down. But I will say afterwards, once the, the cameras were off, um, I got a chance to spend some time with him with some other writers. And he seemed much more comfortable, much more confident. Um, I mean, overall, outside of just, you know, how he seemed in terms of what he said, uh, I mean, it sounds like, you know, he tried to point out he's not another Andy Reid. Um, he took blame for the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, debacle in the two-minute drill um, this past Saturday, which I guess has to be concerning the Eagles fans. Uh, a few Eagles fans said, well, credit for, him to, for uh, taking blame, which is kind of like the ultimate Kool-Aid drinking response. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I thought overall, you know, he kind of was what we thought. He's he's bland. He's not going to rock the boat. There's not really anything that sticks out about him. Um and I think that's kind of what the Eagles won after three years of having Chip in the spotlight. Mark, how about you? Initial thoughts? I mean, you have obviously known Peterson from back in the day when he was a player and then a coach. But initial thoughts on him now as the head coach of the Eagles? Yeah, he's like, like Elliot said, he's exactly what I think. Nothing surprised me. He didn't do anything that I didn't, he didn't say or do anything that I didn't expect. Um, he took the blame, which like Elliot says, you know, that's, that's the nice thing to say. But I didn't like his – the one thing that – if I have to criticize him, what the heck was he talking about when he when he, about when he he tried to explain why they were so slow? We didn't – did he know they were down two scores? He's well, if, you us, wa- if you watch them drive, they clearly had no idea they were down two scores because it mean, was the – But then his explanation was, was even worse, that we didn't want to give the ball back to Tom Brady. Well, you were going to try an onside kick no matter what, weren't you? 
It was, I mean, if you scored with 154 to go or 113 or 209, you still were going to onside kick, right? You had to. So I don't, that, that was bizarre. That was that bizarre. bothered me. That, that one little thing of, of the whole, it was a long press conference. That bothered me because I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, how's he going to answer questions when he really is in charge? And we ask him why you went for it on fourth down or why you, why you didn't go for it or why you went for two. If he's going to, you know, you can't use Tom Brady every week. You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. That was the only thing that bothered everything else. But he, he was fine. He, yeah, he did seem a little nervous at first, but like, like that's not, again, that's very natural. I don't, I don't think. When he was named head coach at Calvary Baptist, there probably wasn't that many people there. So, you know. That's safe to say. Um, Yeah, but he was fine overall. Um, It's funny. Of of everything that happened yesterday, Doug Peterson was like, was not the the big story. I I mean, it it was supposed to be because it was an introductory press conference. But I think, you know, Jim Schwartz being hired and Howie Roseman talking for the first time in over a year, um, you know, other things, Sam Bradford even getting brought into the news a little bit. I think all that kind of overshadowed the fact that Doug Peterson's the new head coach of the Eagles. It's so it's so funny how after three years of Chip, you know, with like these and like oh, I guess a few months of these podcasts now, whenever it was Chip, there was like so many things like explosive things to talk about, and it was always like you know, and now just listen to these last year's answers. It's like, what do you think of Peterson? It's like, eh. you know, mm-hmm. it's just it's just funny Hard to think. Of, yeah, Hard how job just got a lot harder. Well, it's just, you know, just in terms of – and I think, you know, the more I think about why Chip was fired and what the Eagles want now, I think this is what they want. They don't want a guy, I mean, who's going to be, you know, the dominant personality in that Novacare complex. And that's what Chip was. I mean, he ran everything. And now with Peterson, you know, he's just another one of the guys. He's another one of the, the dudes in the collaborative effort that is basically Howie Roseman. So – We'll see what happens. I know people are tired of talking about Chip, but I just think that's the thing to me that stuck out yesterday is just how how, how like boring it was compared to when Chip, even just the buzz. I mean, you know, it was a packed auditorium, but like there would be 40 reporters at Chip's Tuesday press conference, you know, and now it's like, so we'll see how it goes. But I just thought the Peter, it was, that was the thing I took away from that yesterday the most. What, what you just said, Elliot, though, is so telling. That's what they wanted. They wanted no, they should have wanted the best coach no matter what his person. And I'm not saying Peterson might not be. He may be the best coach. I don't know who knows. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll find out in you know two, three years, I guess, which ones of all the guys hired or not hired are the best. But I think they did what you just said. They want, they went out and found the most dull or the most, the most unlike Chip Kelly instead of just going out and getting the best. Like, maybe, like Hugh Jackson might be better than Doug Peterson, but he might, might have too much personality for him, or mm-hmm. or whoever. Tom Coughlin might have been the best. I know that Joe liked him, um, but he had to. You know, that's not the way to conduct. You know what I'm saying? Like that's yeah. not, that's not well, the right way to do. Find the best guy, not the. This is your head coach. This isn't. I can see if you don't want your running backs coach to have a big. You know, okay, fine. Your head coach. I don't care about his personality. I want to. I want the best guy that's going to win the most games for me. Well, that's the thing they kept they kept kind of pimping yesterday was what a great listener he was, and you know how how, how respected he is, and all that stuff. And it's like, well, let's hear about what he's actually going to do on the field. Yeah, you know what I mean. And so, you know, we we've talked about this on the podcast before. Doug Peterson might end up being a great coach. Who knows? And I think the hiring of Jim Schwartz. I know you're not as high on it as I am, but I think that's a good start. Oh, um, yeah, but I I just think you know if the defense is good, well, you know the, he, he's got to get a quarterback. There's all these different things, but. Ultimately, what's going to define 
his ability to succeed in Philadelphia is not going to be like how good of a listener he is. And so I just think it was funny. That's, that's what they were really trying to promote yesterday. It's just, you know, this guy is such a great listener and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, let's see, let's because, see what he can actually do. Because Kip never listened to anything they said. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. They've also, to me that they've kind of already set up the structure to where it's hard to put blame as this thing moves along. Like we're, I think you guys are totally right. They found the best fit, maybe not the best coach. Not that he won't be the best coach, but as far as we could tell right now, it feels like they found the best fit, not the best coach. And just the way they're describing everything with the way they're going to go about business now, like with Chip this past year was so easy to assign blame or credit when things went right or wrong because he was everything. Now, I mean, like they keep saying, collaborative effort, teamwork, listening, It like, you know, the Schwartz thing and bringing in a staff. If this Eagles thing fails now under – Doug Peterson, it's not really going to be on Doug Peterson because we're not going to even know what it's We're going to say they all failed because yep. it's not just the coach like it was before. Yeah, and that'll be the interesting thing. If in two years, you know, they've only won nine games or something like that, who 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 is the fall guy? I mean, is this is this the Everybody. end of Howie? I mean, is, do you get rid of Peterson after two years? I mean, it's you know, it's that slippery slope where all of a sudden you're the Cleveland Browns and you have a new coach every year and a half. So I just wonder how much rope Peterson is going to have. And really, how do you – like, how, what's his criteria for success? Is it is it just going to be wins and losses? Is it all that matters? Because, I mean, Chip won 26 games in three years. So that wasn't – clearly there's more there when Laurie talks about what he wants from a head coach. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if, you know, if in two years they have only won five or six games or a total of ten games, something like that, if he does get a third year and if other people go with him. You know what? And I, I just thought it as, as as you were talking, Elliot. When when Eagles hired Kip Kelly back in 2013, I remember writing a column then just for the paper saying how he reminded me a lot of Buddy Ryan, he, but, but a little more tactful. He didn't. Buddy said all. Oh, I mean, Buddy was wow. I mean, you know, he would call to he would call the owner to the guy in France, and you know, he <laughs> said all kind of stuff. But but Kip had a Kip reminded me of Buddy in a lot of ways, and they both got fired. Kip didn't get fired because because they had a bad year last year. They were looking to fire him before the season was over. I mean, Jeffrey let that out yesterday. They were looking, but you know, he got fired because he didn't play their game. He didn't he didn't hug the people in the hallway, and he didn't right. go to the Christmas party, and he didn't do all the all the little things that Jeffrey thought were important. Which that's Jeffrey's prerogative, just like it was Norman Brayman's prerogative to fire Buddy Ryan because. He kept embarrassing him in, in front of you know the media and whatever. He didn't, you know, it, but they didn't get fired. Buddy won what he he made the playoffs three straight years after the Eagles hadn't made it in eight years. Didn't win a playoff game, but still he made it. Maybe he took a bad team and made it made it pretty good. He didn't get fired because of his record. He got fired because of the way he acted. And I hate to say, I, I really hope Doug Peterson isn't Rich Cote. I'm yeah, I, I think everyone listening would hope we're not, we're not heading down that path again. Uh, let's unpack that for a second because, Mark, you bring up something I thought was really interesting listening to Lori too. The idea, and I think we didn't realize this, and we all felt it was an impulse thing with Lori and firing Chip, and, and maybe it was that day he fired him, but he did let that out on Tuesday during the press conference that they began preparing for the eventual firing of Chip Kelly you know, in the middle of the season at some yeah. point. And maybe every team does that to an extent, but the way he worded it felt like they really started to put it into high gear in case they were going to have to make that decision. I think he uses the term to make the final decision, which means to me he thought about it at one point and then eventually he did go down that road. Elliot, what did you think of that? The fact that he admitted he was thinking about firing Chip way before we found out he did. 
Yeah, I mean, like you said, maybe all teams do this in terms of always having a backup plan in case, you know, you never, I mean, who knows? Maybe he thought Chip was going to leave. I mean, you know, who, who knows what? But the way he said it certainly made it seem like, you know, after that loss to Detroit or after that loss to Tampa Bay, you know, we were on this podcast saying, nah, he's not going to fire Chip. Like, there's no way. And I think that was the general consensus. But it seemed like he was very much open to it and probably leaning towards it half the year. And that, you know, that even is kind of crazier because you think he he basically gave Chip six or seven games. If you if you consider it was half the year, roughly half the year, he gave him like six, seven, eight games of full control before he seriously started pull, thinking about pulling the plug. And, you know, that just speaks to how badly, I guess, things were behind the scenes in terms of their relationship, maybe, or how things were, you know, going just with everybody in the Novacare complex, because you're going to give a guy that much power and then you're going to, you know, pull pull it on him that quickly. You must really he maybe maybe his lease was short heading into the season. Um, but I was just surprised he admitted that basically halfway through the year or like a little bit before then he was already thinking about making the switch. Mark, did that surprise you? Yes, that he admit, yeah, surprised me that he openly said it. Yeah, that, I've never. I mean, I've covered a few coaching changes now. You know, not 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 as many as you would think in thirty years, but a few, and never when you know when when Lurie fired Ray Rhodes, he didn't say I was thinking about this. We, we were compiling our list then. No, he fired Ray at the end of the year, and it's like most coaches. I don't think most teams. I mean, yeah, if you're if you're two and fourteen. Three, you know, two years in a row. Yeah, you're probably looking, but I mean, what I hope if if I could go back and change one thing this year, if I had the power to to affect one, I would have the Eagles win the Redskins game, either Redskins game, and then they win the division. Does he still fire them? I don't know if that answer is definitely no. I don't know either, but <laughs> you have a hard sell firing a guy that's won two division titles in three years, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you do. I, I'm almost more – to me, it's almost worse if the answer isn't no. Like, really, if he felt this strongly about Chip, no matter what, then then one win shouldn't to. change it. That's what I'm saying. I don't – I think he still would have because, like I said, I don't think Chip's record or the fact they had a losing record this year had anything to do with the firing. I think it was he just didn't like the guy. He, he grew to not like him and didn't want to be around him every day. But it just would have been a hard sell to to anyone, I think. And what if they want to play? What if they would have won the playoff game? They right, what, if they go, what if they go on a run? What if we're what if we're talking about them playing right now? He's he's still going to fire. I mean, guys, like, Sam Bradford. Bradford Sam Bradford was still the quarterback. Let's not get crazy here. <laughs> well, then you got no. I think if they're if they're in the NFC Championship, if they're in if we're heading to Carolina this week or Arizona, whichever way the bracket would have fallen. No, you. I don't care if you hate the guy or not. Then you just got to say. I hate the guy, but he's making me money. We're winning. We're you know we're on the brink of great things here. I no, I can't fire him. But um, again, because I mean, I, and again, I'll, I'll compare it to going back to Buddy Ryan days. Raymond hated Buddy from year two, but he but Buddy was winning the division every year or making a play. He couldn't fire him, you know, even though he didn't. He kind of put up with him because, and, I mean, you guys aren't aren't old enough. But prior to Buddy, the Eagles had become nobody. Games were being blacked out. You know, I mean, you you can't even imagine what what that is. Now, I mean, every game sold out forever. They got waiting lists. Games weren't on TV sometimes during the Marion Campbell years because they were nobody cared. They were bad and boring, and nobody just nobody. They were they were the Sixers, you know. And then Buddy came in, and you know whether you like him or not, 
you have to say he he brought the he gave the, the team life. And so Raymond kind of put up with it for a while, but then you know, three straight playoff laws, he fired him. So I it just it would have been interesting. I, I would have loved to see what if if they just would have if they would have won a division, I kind of think he he still might have fired him. Well, let me ask you this. Let's say they win one of those Redskins games yeah. and, and Chip, you know, Chip comes back. Are they better off going into next year with Chip? And if you make the playoffs, you're probably re-signing Bradford, especially if you're keeping Chip. And are he you, liked him. And, you know, yeah. Chip said he likes Bradford. Right. So are you better off with Chip and Bradford going forward? Or are you better off with where the Eagles are now? You're asking me? Yeah. I'm, well, I'm, gonna say, you, yeah. I'm not even going to answer that because you, you know my answer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think they'd be better with Chip, but, yeah. but you know, we we have to obviously give now it's a blank slate for Peterson. But the, the whole thing just has felt off from the beginning, and now Elliot, you brought up the quarterback thing, and that was uh, that Good became segue. a big story here. As Good segue, Peterson, Elliot. Yeah, great yeah, segue. You. you brought up, I and I, I knew it would happen soon in this podcast. The Sam Bradford conversation. No, obviously uh, he was asked. Peterson was asked about Bradford and. Uh, he said some nice things about him. He said he's a perfect fit. He said, yeah, he talked all these great attitudes about Sam Bradford, the quarterback, um, and that you know leads you to believe he wants him back. And then Elliot, you uh, had a piece on NJ.com citing a report from ESPN today, this Wednesday morning, about Bradford and what he asked for during contract negotiations last year. You add it all together. Uh, Sam Bradford's probably going to cost the Eagles a lot of money, and now the question is how much do they want to keep him because the head coach in his first time with the media said he likes him a lot. Yeah, well, the thing the thing I'll say, though, well, a couple of things. First, I mean, really, what's Peterson going to say up there? I mean, he's he's going to say nice things about Bradford. You're not going to get up there and, you know, say, nah, Bradford's not our guy and just end it right there. You're right. going to say you're going to say that. Right. So but I will say afterwards, when he was not at the podium and he was just speaking to a small group of reporters, two things he said really stuck out to me when he talked about Bradford. One, he said when, when he was talking about Alex Smith. He, he was asked, you know, what do you like about Alex Smith? What was it that, you know, that drew you to him when you, you and Reed to him when you were with the Chiefs? And he was like, look, Alex Smith, you can call him a game manager, whatever you want, but he takes care of the ball and he, he has a good win-loss record. Oh, and okay. Yeah, that oh, is what he said. Yeah, right? So to me, so that he really hates Bradford. Yeah. Well, but to me, that just speaks of – I thought that was not a shot at Bradford, but it was a little inside look at what he thinks or what he's looking for in a quarterback. And then another thing was, um, I asked him about Bradford, or I forget what the exact question was, and he he mentioned something about how the salary cap is obviously going to play a role in deciding who the quarterback Bingo. is. Bingo. Yeah, so I thought those two things were much more telling than anything he said up at the podium um, in terms of what they think of Bradford. I mean, I think if, you know, Bradford wants to take a – huge discount to stay here or maybe they can agree on like a two-year deal or three-year deal where the Eagles can get out of it and it's you know maybe 12 million a year I think there's a chance Bradford stays but I don't think there's any way Bradford's going to take that deal because I don't think he wants to be back here number one I, I don't think either side is very interested in a reunion so like maybe it happens but I just I don't think I I would be surprised if he's back and I would be I would be absolutely stunned if he's back at $25 million a year or even anywhere over 18. Yeah, Ellie and I don't agree on everything all the time, although we're, we're, we, we kind of wear on each other now a little bit. But, yeah, there's no way, Brad. I mean, if you add everything up, Bradford's not back here. I mean, here's the, here's the basic choice. And I, I had this debate with a lot of people yesterday that want that I think they have to bring Bradford back. Well, here's your choice. You bring if you bring Brad the way the Eagles' salary cap is, they're not that far, they're not they don't have a lot of cap room 
when you consider that they don't have a quarterback side, if Brad, if, whether it's Bradford or, you know, they, they're going to be about 16 to 18 million under, depending on what the final cap number is. Unless it goes sky high, but I don't, I don't think, you know. If you bring Bradford back for what he's probably going to get, then you're not doing anything else. So if you're happy with Bradford and what you have and then some draft picks, okay, then that's fine. But don't expect them – don't don't complain that they didn't go out and sign a guard or they didn't add anybody to the defense that's, you know, free agent-wise. And don't complain that they lost Vinnie Curry and, and Walter Thurman and Cedric Thornton and Nolan Carroll and all their, and all their free agents because they're not going to be able to afford them. If you give Bradford what he's probably going to get, a fair market price, $25 million is crazy. If he thinks he's getting $25 million, he's he's on he's, – he's, He's crazy. He's absolutely crazy. But 18 was fair market, I guess, 19, whatever. Then you're not doing anything else. So your the Eagles' choices are keep Bradford and nobody else or let Bradford go, keep a couple of guys that you want from your own free agent list, add a guy here or there, and we'll see. We'll maybe draft a quarterback or do what you know, we'll, we'll see how, how that goes. And that's the choice. It's a hard choice. But what does that say about what do you think? What do you guys think that says about the expectations for Peterson and now in this new regime year one? Because let's say Bradford leaves and all those things you just said, Mark leads Bradford out the door. Um, you know, with without Bradford, and we all know he's not great, but he's obviously competent at this point and he's a veteran. If you don't yeah. have Bradford and you have a rookie, uh, or you have Sanchez or whatever, some guy holding the holding it's the done, torch, it's ninety nine all over again. Right. Well, in that case, you throw in the, the fact they gave him a five-year deal. Right. Do we have? Will they kind of sell low expectations, or will we sell low well, expectations for year one if if they don't give him a quarterback like Bradford? I mean, not that not there will be high expectations, but you know where I'm getting at. Well, no, I think I I think the point is good that if they give Bradford some kind of big deal where it signifies like this is the guy we think is our quarterback, and then a year and a half in, they, they're like you know. Three and thirteen, or the, you know, they're not doing well. You're seven and nine, say. Right. Well, but my point, is, yeah. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, when you talk about expectations with Peterson, we touched on this a little earlier in the podcast in terms of like what will define whether he's doing a good job or not. If he has a rookie quarterback next year, I mean, he probably has a little bit longer of a leash. But if he says to them, "Look, not that I don't think he has the power to do this," but let's say he says, "Look, Bradford's a guy I really want him," and, and he convinces them, and they give him a big deal. And then it's a debacle, which it probably will be since Bradford's never made the playoffs. I mean, like, if you're Peterson, do you want to tie your wagon to that? Or would you rather go with a rookie? This has already been discussed. This is already – don't you think that in the interview Bradford's name came up a couple times? Well, I asked him that, and he said said it wasn't discussed. But, I mean, granted, that's what he's going to – I guess that's what he's going to say. Was he going to say, yeah, we talked about him. We said we don't want that guy. (laughs) We all had a good laugh, and we moved on. Come on. Then, Shane, if that's true. If that's true, then Eagles even are even more screwed up than I than I think, and I think they're pretty screwed up. If you're not interviewing, when you're interviewing coach, well, he he said it was talked about a little bit. This is what happened. Okay. He said, "Listen, we're not going to bring Bradford back." Pierce says, "I'm good with that." that okay, <laughs> that's, that's that was it. And then they said that Howie's a great guy, right? And Doug said, "Yeah, yes, man, yes. I love that love, guy. Love him, love Howie." <laughs> um, but no, I mean, Brad, if. <laughs> I think this is, I'm again, I, I like to go back to in, in, in history because I'm old and that's what old people do. We go back <laughs> to history. This is, I, I think he's going to sign like a Chase Daniels who apparently, and you, I was talking to Jim Schwartz when, when, when you were in the group with, with uh, Peterson. He raved about Chase Daniels, correct? Yeah. Well, yeah, he said good. Yeah, he said very good things about him. Yeah. So 
I think Case Daniels comes in here on a two or two year deal, three, whatever it is, moderate money, just like Doug Peterson came in in '99 when the Eagles got rid of Bobby Hoying and Rodney Pete and all the guys they that Andy inherited from from Ray. And then you draft whoever you feel the, the the best quarterback is at 13, or if you have to move up a couple spots, whether it's you know Paxton Lynch or Jared Goff or the kid from North Dakota, Carson Wentz. I don't know whoever yeah. they like. That's their job to figure out who they think the best. And you go forward, and, and Daniels will start most of the year, if not all the year. And then you turn it over to the kid, and then you and let's see what happens. And that may be the way they go. He finds his Doug Peterson, and, and like you said, it could be nineteen ninety nine all over again. They go. I, I, I'm almost. I mean, I'll, I'll be really surprised if they go any other way than than that. Right, and that would mean a rookie quarterback or a young quarterback, and that that would kind of that would obviously set up a, a long term thing here rather than expectations uh, well, in year one. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. I mean. No. I mean. Yeah. I mean, next year you do what you can. Yeah. Right. I mean. You don't want to be two and fourteen. You, you never want to be two and fourteen. But you know, you 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 want to be competitive. You want to in the NFC East. You can be. I mean, you don't have to be real good to be in that race. Well, let me let me ask you guys this. I was thinking about this uh, driving back from the press conference yesterday. Like, I've been kind of been in the camp of saying this team is not going to be good next year. And yeah. right, but so then I was I was thinking about how how could they be good? Like, if you told me the Eagles won the NFC East next year. How would that happen? Tony Romo got got hurt again. <laughs> well, but he, here's what I ca- here's what I came up with, and you tell me how unrealistic you think this is. All right, all right. The first component would be Jim Schwartz makes a defense really good, and right? he's had and, some good defenses over the years. So that's that's and, not impossible. And they were really good half the year last year. They just imploded at the yeah. end. And I'm I was never a big believer in the whole. Chips offense hurt the defense, but the further away from the season we get, I've talked myself into that a little more. So if you think the combination of Chip being gone and Jim Swartz being here over Billy Davis, and maybe the switch to the fourth three, I don't know how much that helps or hurts, but maybe that. I mean, do you think the Eagles defense could be a, a top tennis unit? I mean, they've already they know how to produce turnovers, at least that you know they have the past three years, and they do get after the quarterback. So is that really unrealistic to think they could have a top ten defense? Yes, I think it. I, I I'd settle for top half. I wouldn't go top ten. Okay. Again, let's see what they add to it. As right. it stands right now, no, I don't think they're a top ten defense. And well, you better sign Vinnie Curry, Walter, and Walter Thurman. You're gonna you you have a chance of losing two of your if you go four three two starters. Yeah. No. I right. Let's say they're both back. But here, what I was gonna say was, I think if the defense can be considerably better, and you know, as much as I don't, I think Demarco Murray had a was not, uh, you know, was not a good player last year, obviously. And I think, you know, some of the things about with Chip in the locker room, I don't think it was good that he did. But if they do commit to rerunning the ball with him next year, I mean, maybe they do win by running the ball, having a good defense, and just. This is 1997. All right, all right, all right. I'm just saying. <laughs> waiting for you. Win I don't know. Ball. Driving back yesterday, I was kind of convincing myself into thinking maybe the team won't be as bad as we all think. But maybe. I mean, I don't think they're going to be two and fourteen bad. Think you think oh. they could win nine games? No, I made a guy no. bet he wouldn't win nine games. It's funny that right. the question I think is going to become off of what you're saying, Elliot, is because all summer long we talked about it. Other people talked about it. the Eagles have a lot of talent. They have Chip, That's and right. obviously right. maybe we maybe we overrated the talent, and obviously the whole Chip thing went the wrong we way. We overrated the quarterback. We overrated there, the quarterback, right? You so, did. 
You certainly. No, every, everyone did. After that Green Bay game, I, and yeah, I did. I was, I was a part of that. Thing. I agree with that. I agree with that. But my point so, was. But now it's gone the other way, right? Now, to a lot of people, they don't have any talent. The answer is probably somewhere in the middle. So to answer your question, if Schwartz does a great job and the 4-3 is what they really are meant to be, and Peterson can really coach, I mean, I, I wouldn't bet on the Eagles being good next year, but I, I could see where your mind was kind of going on, on your car right there. Right. I mean, I, I, uh, just tell me, you didn't finish. I, we, we interrupted you, I'm sorry. Who, so, so the defense is, yeah, Schwartz has his defense playing great. They're getting right. sacks. And They're running turn. the ball well. And Murray's, Murray's going for 1,500 yards or whatever. He's great. Who's handing the ball to Murray? Well, then, like, I guess where I was going to go with it is then I think you just get a guy in there that'll just. Chase Daniels. Yeah, the Chase Daniel, yeah. And just get a guy in there and just have, you know, short. I mean, Kyle Peterson said yesterday, like, short throws, not going too vertically. I mean, yeah. the Chiefs the Chiefs last year were at the bottom three in the NFL in terms of passes down the field. So they, they that's not something they do. So I think you just get a guy in there, like, not Sanchez because he turns the ball over, but a guy in there that. Chase Daniels, that's the guy. Right, that could be the guy, but I mean, I don't. I'm telling you, that's the guy. <laughs> All right, well, I think Chase Daniel is going to win the NFC. No, I'm just kidding. But and who, who's and then who's who's like blocking in front of Chase Daniel? Well, that's that's, the, a big that's story the key. Too, right? That's the key. The key uh, is if they can fix the offensive line, then I think they have. You got so that would be my three. I would put all three of those things before the quarterback because. Realistically, they're not getting a friend. I mean, they could luck into one in the draft, but the chances are they're not going to get like their franchise guy, right? Um, but so if they can make the defense good, run the ball effectively and fix the offensive line. I do think this team can be competitive next year. I don't think this is going to be like you were saying, a four and 12 team. I think they could win seven or eight games. Well, you segued us there into, into who's bringing these players in. And that <laughs> that's been a question for a long time now with the Eagles. And we did get another piece of really interesting news from Lurie during the press conference on Tuesday saying they're. They're going to go after a personnel head. They're in the process of trying to hire someone else to, I guess, add to this collaborative effort. And he wouldn't – he was vague on whether that guy would be ahead of Roseman on the kind of the – He know, won't be ahead of Roseman. He probably won't be. No. But somewhere as a part of this team, someone else that will now be part of this picking the players. Uh, did that surprise you guys? Mark, we'll go with you on that because we've been wondering for a while, why don't they do this? And now we, I guess we'll wonder for the next couple of weeks until they hire someone, what kind of person are they going to bring in here? I know I've done. I I was told from the beginning that Tom. See, I I wanted to ask Jeffrey this, and then I never got the mic. I hate those when they got the, they pass the microphone around kind of things because I'm looking for it and that's something on and then that and then it was over. I wanted to ask Jeffrey, does he plan on having this guy in place like in the next couple of days, or just going to be like an after after the draft? Because most personnel, like you know how coaching firings always happen, like right after the season. Most personnel dis- firings and hirings come after the draft because it's going to be hard. like, unless they're hiring somebody that's not employed right now, nobody from whatever team is going to let their guy leave now to go to the Eagles because they just don't. He, like, if, if I work for the Seattle Seahawks now, I'm, I'm their number three guy or whatever I am in any organization scouting wise. And I have all my draft information that I've done for Seattle they're not gonna. They're not gonna let me go and take all my knowledge with me to the Eagles that that they kind of paid for. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. That just doesn't happen. So, but I was told from the, from the very beginning that Tom Donahoe, who we joked about on a prior podcast, you know, his age, he was he was just keeping the seat warm. He he doesn't he's not the long term personnel guy here. He was just, he's kind of doing Jeffrey a favor 
you know, keeping him, keeping things going, like, you know, East-West Shrine game, and I'm assuming he's down there uh, now because I didn't see him yesterday and everybody else was at the uh, NovaCare. So, you know, he'll probably be the senior bowl. Um, but, yeah, the guy they're bringing in is going to replace Tom Donahoe, who will go back to being just an advisor or consultant, whatever title they want to uh, give him. So, yeah, I don't I, – I, that's what I see happening. The thing the way the way I view the the front office, the more I learn about it, the more they talk about it is it's gonna be how he's making all the important calls and his title isn't gonna be a GM. So what they'll do is they'll bring in a personnel guy and they'll say he's gonna handle the day to day stuff. And to me that the so they'll 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 have it come across as if he's gonna have a very important job. But to me, the day to day stuff is basically gonna mean like filing the paperwork off the decisions how he made. Like how he's gonna make all these decisions. And Peterson's going to have some input. I mean, Peterson said yesterday, and this was off the podium again, someone asked, you know, does he have control over the final 53? And he, 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 he made it sound as if almost like he only had a little bit of control over it. Like it wasn't like he clearly didn't have all the control. But his answer made it sound like if it was a 50-50, if you had to break down the percentages in terms of who's making the calls in the 53, it'll be like 0.01% for whoever the third guy is, whether that's a new guy or Donahue. Like – 65% Howie, and then the rest is Peterson. So I think whoever they bring in, it's going to be... He's going to be Ed Manowitz, the guy they bring in. It's going to be like, like that. I mean, well, but I think Manowitz... I think Manowitz had the ear of Chip, and I yeah. do think he listened to him. I don't. I think whoever they bring in here is... Look, Howie, Howie's back. Howie's got the, his job back. He talked yesterday about learning over the past year. I mean, this is... Howie's This is Howie's second chance and probably his last chance. So, But how, every he, Howie needs a guy... like. I'm, I'm trying to think of another team. Um, Ted Thompson is the general manager in Green Bay. He does everything. He does it. He, he does the right. His that's his 53. Mike McCarthy does not pick the 53 man roster in Green Bay. Ted Thompson does. Mike McCarthy can fight for a guy, and Thompson will listen. They work together for whatever many years now. But Thompson is, Thompson is the general manager. But Elliot Wolf is Thompson's right hand man. You know he he's he's the guy. He, I don't know what his title is per, per se, but he's the guy that does all the as you say, paperwork, whatever, but he, but he also has a big say. I mean, one guy, it's the NFL has become too big now. One guy, one general manager can't do everything that's got between keeping your own free agents, sign other free agents, working on a draft, uh, making trades, whatever the case, whatever it is, it's, it's, it's too much for one man now. I, I agree with you, but what I'm saying is, do you think Howie's going to listen to whoever they bring in? That that's yeah, my mobile be, point. Well, listen to in, in what way? I mean, if if Howie says we're drafting this linebacker from Louisville, and the guy says, "I don't, I don't, no, we don't want him, Howie. We want the the the, the linebacker from Florida State's way better." He might, he might. The guy he hires is going to be somebody his handpicked guy. That's true. So but to me, this is on Lurie to set the structure in terms of what everyone does, right? Like if this guy. And that's why it was disconcerting to me, and I'm sure you guys remember the line. Lurie had a line in there. Someone, I think it might have been Jeff McClay. Someone was pressing him on something yesterday about accountability. the accountability. Right, yeah, accountability and the organizational structure. And, and, kinda, and then I think one of the questions was, well, who will have the final say in the draft room? And did, didn't Lurie say something like, well, it doesn't really work that way? Shouldn't yeah. it yeah. work that way, though? Well, like, shouldn't said, someone have final say? Well, no, the question was. Um, if there's a tie, who breaks well, it? Exactly, that was it. See, and I, I knew what Jeffrey meant. And they copped out of that answer because Jeffrey yeah. raised his hand as a joke. But really, they didn't. That was – I mean, no, in a lot of ways, he does get said, no, I know what you're talking about, Joe. You were talking about um, – I think the question was 
in the draft room who's going to make the final call when you're on the clock. Right, and like yeah. Elliot said, if, if there's a tie. No, 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 that was a different question. Yeah, this is a okay. separate question, yeah. Okay. Jeff, and Jeffrey's answer was it doesn't really work that way. I've never been in an NFL. I would love – that's one of the things I'd, I'd love to do before I – you know, it's on my bucket list, I guess. That's how weird I am. I would love to be in an NFL draft room one, just one night during the draft and see how things really do work. But I know enough people who have been, who have told me stories. And it's not like, it's not like we think. And it's not like draft day. That movie was a fun movie and it was entertaining, but it's, it's, it's not real. It's so not realistic. Um, it's not like all right, the, all right, the, the, the Saints make the 12th pick. Now, the Eagles are on the clock. They're not sitting there fighting. Like, you know, can we take this? No, no, take that. By then, they know what they're doing. They have a board. And they right. take the names off the board as the as the picks are made, and they should just the, the next highest name on the board is the guy that there's they should take. Now, do you always go there? No, maybe you think, all right, you know what? Let's take the next guy because we need that position more or something, whatever. But it's not like, like yelling and the yelling and screaming is done all week between they, Chip I, and Howie. <laughs> what's that? Between Chip and Howie. Well, <laughs> whatever. I'm just saying, not just now. Any, I'm not just using Eagles. I mean, every you know, between Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin, between Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy, but the the, the arguments are done during the week leading up to the draft. This is from what I'm told from talking to people. And then as you're as you're making that board, that's when the guy, you know, the, a scout or somebody will say, "No, move him up. No, move it. No, he's right now." And, and, and that's. But once you put that board together. The good teams stick to it, and you just go by your board, and you take names off as they peel off, and when it's your turn, you take the thirteenth guy on there. Right? I just, I just think though, when those arguments happen throughout the week, and I'm not saying in a in a heated oh, way, but when when work. those debates happen, the, my point is, I think Howie's voice holds the most weight among Absolutely. anybody in there. Yeah, and it's good if he's the guy. Yeah, I agree. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it's very like it matters who they hire for this new personnel guy. It does matter, but I don't think it's like. This team's going to be good because they're going to be good or bad because of how Roseman does. Well, this isn't a very important. I mean, I'm not going to say it's right. not an important hire. It's not a. It's not a groundbreaking hire. It's not a. No, it depends. Maybe they hire. hire somebody like, I don't know, like a well, like a old, like a Jerry Colangelo type of guy, like somebody like that, right? And then Charlie, maybe Charlie Casterly, like someone who's oh, been around. God, the end no, they don't want that. Do they? No, no, but I'm saying if they brought somebody in who who already commands respect when he walks in the room, that, that would be the difference. But I think they're going to go with a young guy that how he's getting that. Yeah, right. They're not going to get that. But my point is that would be the only way where I could see this mattering. But outside of that, I, I don't think who they hire. Yeah, really they're going to hire a, a guy who's a scout for another team or, you know, a younger guy. It's, it's a promotion. They, first of all, they're not going to be able to hire anyone. Well, someone that's already unemployed. I mean, well, that too. Yeah, well, I don't know. Again, we don't, do we have an answer? Do we know they're hiring this guy like soon? No, Jalouri was really vague about yeah, it cause right. for competitive advantage. As yeah, he didn't want to give away the search. Yeah, yeah as if like everyone's I... sliding up to work with Howie. But <laughs> I'm just yeah. I mean, I I got to find this out. I got to. I mean, because it's that it is kind of important. Whether are they hiring this guy? If they're hiring him prior to the draft, they got to hire him like this week because and the senior bowl is next week. Right, this East West Shrine game's already going on this week. I mean, if this guy's going to be involved in this year's draft, he needs to be hired now. And no, and then he, then they're then they're hiring a guy that doesn't have a job because no, like I said, no team is going to let one of their guys leave. Look at last year yeah. when Chip was trying to find his guy, and uh, they ended up promoting from within because right. nobody right. That's true. So th- yeah, this is going to be fascinating to see when and who this person. This is. This guy could be promoted from within. 
don't don't rule that out. There could be a scout in their in their system now that they like, and they and they move them up. Yeah, could be. Just give them a different title, right? And then there you go. You the add most, someone else. You know, he moved up from you know regional scout to whatever title they they director of personnel, whatever they call. Them. All right, last couple things before we wrap up this episode. Let's let's circle back to Peterson and a couple things I wanted to get you guys' opinion on before we wrap up. We'll get to the staff because that's being assembled as we speak here. We already got a couple thoughts on Jim Schwartz. What did you guys think about the idea of, of Peterson calling his own plays, which I believe he said he's going to do uh, as the head coach. Obviously, he's an offensive guy. Elliot, on Peterson calling his own plays, I mean, not so much your thoughts on him as a play caller based on what he did with the Chiefs, but just the, the you know, just in theory doing that as a head coach. Some guys do it, some guys don't. Um, yeah, Mike I mean, McCarthy <laughs> does it. I think McAdoo's going to do it, but not everyone does it. He better do it. Well, what else is he going to do? <laughs> he's not going to be coaching the defense. He's going to go around and hug everybody. I mean, like, you know, I, I mean, with Chip, he actually had big influential say as to what was going on in the building. I mean, everything with that building was Chip. I mean, I don't think that's going to be the case with Peterson. So, yeah, you better call plays. I mean, this is his team. I mean, this is, you know, I I think it's a good it's a good idea for him to call plays. This is the guy you wanted. This is the head coach. Yeah, he should absolutely be calling plays, in my opinion. Yeah, I I I'd be I would have been very surprised if he said no, he wasn't that he wasn't gonna call the plays. I mean, that's he learned from Andy. Andy always right. called plays until the end when he let Marty do it sometimes. But no, I I'm yeah, I'm I would have been very I would have been stunned. And then that would have made then that would have really made whoever the offensive coordinator is going to be a really, really important hire and a, and a big decision. Now it's not so much. Right. And now the rest of the staff comes together. We're hearing about hey, – Can I get a little shout-out for John Filippo? Yeah, I, absolutely. Talk about him. He's, he's going to be coming the quarterback coach, right? Yeah, yeah, I was actually going to ask you guys, do you think this hurts or helps their chances of getting Johnny Menzel? <laughs> <laughs> he is the Cleveland Brown. I mean, he is he the is. Cleveland Browns quarterback coach. And I, he, believe, I believe I believe worked with the Jets, right? He's he was Sanchez's quarterback coach when Sanchez was a young kid. Yep. Really? All right. But I mean, I, I you know, he's a, he, I mean, I think the hiring of, of John DeFilippo's quarterback's coach tells you that Frank Reich's going to be the coordinator and Pat Shermer's on his way to St. Louis or somewhere. Probably. Right? I would think so. I don't I mean, I think because it sounds like they've already agreed to hire Frank Wright. And, right. And I was I was told that they were debating between Shermer and Reich as coordinator, and that if Shermer got coordinator, then Reich right that Reich was going to be on the staff. One way or another. That if Shermer was coordinator, Reich would be quarterbacks. And if Reich was coordinator, then Shermer would probably I don't think Shermer would take quarterbacks. I don't know. Um but now that they have a coordinator now that DeFilippo's in, they don't they know. Reich's not gonna, they're not going to have two quarterback coaches, so um, I believe Reich will be the coordinator now. Pat's gone, which also leads to Bradford being gone, right? What a shame. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I'm not the Bradford guy. I'm the I might be, but I'm just saying Bradford was the connect. Was the, I mean, Shermer was the Bradford tie, right? The liaison, whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah, right. and that's why I think a lot of people thought that if Shermer, you know, somehow was the coach or whatever, that that would be uh, that'd be Bradford's ticket back. All right, let's wrap with this then. Um, your big for each of us, we'll go with our biggest question you want answered as we move forward because now the off season begins. Now the Eagles can actually start their off season. It felt like there was like a weird three week period where they couldn't really start it because they didn't know who they were. Now they know who they are, I guess, with Peterson and, and this new collaborative effort. So for you, Elliot, the biggest question you want answered or will be answered soon from the Eagles for the 2016 season is? 
it's the quarterback position. I mean, it, it impacts everything they're going to do. It impacts their it impacts their cap space. It impacts their draft strategy. I mean, it just to me, I think that is the absolute biggest question that needs to be answered more so than any personnel guy they're going to hire, more so than the staff, the staff or anything like that. Um, if I could get one answer from them, that I knew it was the absolute truth. It would be whether they want to re-sign Bradford and whether they think they're going to, because that is the biggest question facing this team. Yeah, how am I going to follow? Um, since you said that, I'll, I'll, I'll go with, is it going to be Cody Parker or Caleb Sturgis? A kicker? <laughs> so, I mean, go. that's the most pressing. No, nah, it's I mean, got, I mean, yeah, I'll just add to what Elliot said. Of course, that's, that's, that's the answer. I mean, that's the quarterback. I mean, I know people get mad at me when I say this, but Andy Reid would have lasted three or four years here if he didn't have Donovan McNabb. Let's be honest. If he takes, if, if Cleveland takes Donovan McNabb and Andy takes Tim Kalk, Andy's Chris Palmer. I mean, that's, you know, that's Donovan. Donovan never gets enough credit for, for what he did here. And, you know, he, you know, and he's the one that got all of those other guys jobs too. Brad Childress and, you know, Donovan, you know, so you need, and not, not just Don, Brett Favre did it in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers is doing it in Green Bay now. I mean, you you get your franchise quarterback, and good things happen there for for, for everybody. So that's that's what's going to tell Doug Peterson's Doug Peterson's legacy will be who his first real quarterback is. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I wanted to come up with something different, but we all have the same answer. Yeah, there's, it's, there's no other difference. There's it's no right. It's, it's 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 the burning question now with the Eagles: What do they do with the quarterback, and how does that impact everything else? And uh, we're going to start to find out here. And not winning uh, without one. I don't care how good the defense is. Right, you never can. No matter what, you need you need someone competent back. The days of the Baltimore Ravens winning with Trent Dilfer and a, and a killer defense, the way the rules are now, you you just you can't win that way. You can't win games thirteen to ten every week. No, it's impossible. Even if even if Schwartz does a good job, they're going to need to score points, and uh, we'll soon find out how they approach this offseason, and we'll soon find out. How they approach Sam Bradford and his request to be the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Something I can't say without just laughing. Uh, yeah. well, a lot Wait, less. If that's true, if he wanted $25 million before the season when he was still winning. Yeah, he honestly might want more now. 30, he, let's oh, go seriously. 30. I mean, I mean if he wanted twenty-five before the season, we didn't know if, he, if his knee was going to hold up. Especially after those last seven games. I mean, Hall of Fame status. I mean, he's like 40 a year. I think it's 30, 32 now, right? Yeah, yeah. Completion percentage was on point. You think Tom Condon will factor in all the drops and say, look, if these guys didn't drop the ball, he's a $35 million quarterback, really. Poor Brad. He'll settle for 30, I think. He'll ask for 35, but he'll settle for 30. (laughs) I think it's a fair way to go about it. All right, guys, we will be back soon. So just a a note uh, for everyone listening. We're not, as the offseason goes, going to be doing this definitely every single week on the same day the way we did a lot of times during the season. But we'll be back probably almost on a weekly basis. And maybe we'll have some guests on. And uh, once we get into free agency and all that kind of stuff, we'll we'll come back and do it more often. But just a note that uh, keep following the podcast at the No Huddle Show on Twitter. Follow on iTunes and on Stitcher. You'll get the latest episodes whenever they come in. uh, And we'll make sure to reconvene every time there's big news to talk about here. Uh, but just a little note on the, the programming as we move forward and, and how often we'll do these. Uh, but no, no doubt, when Sam Bradford signs that deal to become the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history, uh, we'll have Elliot and Mark ready here uh, oh to, to react to it. All right, guys, thanks for doing this, Elliot. Yep, talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Mark. No problem, Joe. Thank and you. thanks to all of you for listening to Episode 26 of the No Huddle Show. We'll be back soon to talk about the future of the Philadelphia Eagles right here on NJ.com. 